This is George Johnson with The Sands of Time, a program of oral history in which we interview our fascinating neighbors. And thank goodness we have back with us again today uh, Ciro Cosi and Sal Del Deo. And maybe uh, when we stop thinking about the history of the good old days, we'll learn about how they started the most fabulous restaurant on the tip of the Cape and kept it going for years. How are we going to get to this story about you and your restaurant? Well, I think it's simple. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have any money. Okay. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy the paintings. Right. So we had to find a way. <laughs> and I had bought this house that cost a great deal of money, and it was $8,700. <laughs> right. And it, the basement looked like it had a lot of charm. A lot of Dirt charm. Dirt floors. Okay. Low ceilings, really low ceilings. Yeah. Damp. Damp. <laughs> Duck your head. When the tide was in, uh, in uh-huh. it got more damp. <laughs> and I thought, I said, well, you know, I said, oh, at the time I was working at Pablo's Restaurant, which was then considered one of the top restaurants on the Cape. I was a waiter and a lousy waiter, I have to admit. <laughs> and I worked there with, along with Varjan Bogosian and a few others oh, who were yeah. Yeah. local artists. Uh, Ed Joby right. would stop in and give us advice, <laughs> of course, we, which we never listened to. And um, so I thought, looked at this cellar and I said, hey, we can make a few bucks here after hours. Open up a little pizza joint or a sandwich place. But then uh, reality set in. You have to have some money in order to open up. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone I went to said, you've got to be out of your mind. It's down an alley, and it's it's in a basement. (laughs) Who the hell's going to come to see you? So I, 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 he was just getting out of the service, out of the Korean War, right? Yeah. 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 And were you responsible for losing it? Or, or, <laughs> and Sal was walking, and I, I stopped him. I said, I got a great thing going. And I gave him the whole scenario, and he said, gee, terrific. I said, how much money do you have? <laughs> he said, I have $120. <laughs> I just finished painting. Actually, you worked with me on that, too. Mr. Adele, you know Mr. Adele? Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Next to the old Heritage yeah. Museum. Yeah, okay, yes. There was an art shop there. He was right. a French mm-hmm. man. He was the sweetest man. Yeah. And his wife was Stella Johnson. She was a better painter than he was. She studied with Hawthorne. And so he said, I want you to paint the, the, the building. <laughs> so I said, I never did it in my life. Said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> you mean paint? It as a picture of no, paint? No, no, <laughs> physical paint <laughs> okay. outside. So, so sir, I said, sir, come on, you can make some money. So I already got some money he paid me. So that's, that. with that money... 120 bucks. 125 bucks, we started the sandwich place. And we bought a Silex coffee maker. <laughs> we had... And a few others, a couple of pots. We had nothing. And nothing, I mean nothing. Lucille so Donahue everybody around t- the area decided to help us. Yeah. There was a guy across the street, his name was Bill Marsh, who later who was a, a, a scientist. scientist and physicist with Pfizer in New Jersey, made a lot of money, mm-hmm. very bright. He was a Provincetown native. His father was a professor of Greek at Yale, mm-hmm. and he was related to Charles Hawthorne. Yeah. Quite, a, quite a guy. Well, he was very enthusiastic. He was a big, lumbering guy, like a fullback, and he'd married this petite little 
Czechoslovakian young lady during the war. Her name was Kitty. Yes, Kitty. Kitty. So she was she was quite a gal. So Bill said, "Look, hey, you guys, why don't you look?" I said, "We have nothing. I'll bring you some dishes." (laughs) He brought (laughs) some dishes from his place. Then he brought his cups. So we start serving sandwiches. In the middle of the rush, we have no dishes to put the omelets on, so we used to serve them in the hand. <laughs> we finish an omelet, slap right on the guy's head with a napkin, and off they go. You know, it was so funny. Eddie Euler gave us a, everything. Everything went in yeah. those days. I mean, Eddie Euler was Eddie Euler gave us an ice box, not a refrigerator, ice, ice box, okay. an ice box, and brown one. And then Lucille Donahue was just throwing out a stove. <laughs> a stove, two burners didn't work of the four. <laughs> yeah. so we used that for the whole summer. In other words, it was a true happening, really, before its time. And, and only because the you know the uh, town laws were so lenient <laughs> at that time mm-hmm. were we allowed to operate. It Nobody was, was looking, really, right? Oh, no, they uh, they just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, right. the, the floor was sand. Right. And my father had to make the sink because he was below the level that which the drain would... Yeah. Would activate. Okay. So you have to make a funny kind of a trap so that the water would pump up. So pump up. Okay. Papa was a coppersmith in Italy, ah. and he'd come every weekend loaded with prosciuttos and provolones and <laughs> everything Italian for us to use in our sandwiches. Ah. Well, before we realized it, we were the head of the town, and people <laughs> were coming there by the hundreds down this alley, suffering untold hardship, sitting in these hard <laughs> nail kegs. Nail kegs that for seats. The yeah. the tables were abandoned, wire spools from the back shore. And thank God I was going with I've met Josephine Del Deo. Josephine at the time had a Model A a, Model a, a beautiful old Model A twenty eight, nineteen twenty eight, and had big tires and we'd go on the beach back and forth picking up these spools. Mm. So we used them for the restaurant. And uh no, but we didn't know it. We were not professional cooks. We'd we had what most Italians are cursed with, a, a, a touch for food. Mm-hmm. They love to, they love to cook and we love and, to eat. And Cyril, <laughs> he used to cook whenever he was with somebody, and I did the same thing when I was with my gang of guys. I always end up doing the cooking, so it seemed natural for us to do this, you know. We all, but the ultimate all, uh, goal was to earn enough money so we could paint. That was never, sure. never abandoned that, you know. That's so, it. That's what it was, because uh, so, right after Labor Day, nothing, nobody. Uh, we found that there wasn't much money left right. the summer. And Toward we, the end of that year, though, the, again, the, the lines were beginning to back up all the way out to Commercial Street to come in and have our sandwiches and our omelets. And we introduced something new, cappuccino. <laughs> nobody knew what a cappuccino was. Really? Cappuccino, right. Yeah, right. Right? So, Coffee with milk, right, isn't it? Yeah, we used to use whipped cream, you know. Okay, right? sure. The real stuff. Yeah. But anyway, that was we were the hit of the of the whole cape. So poor neighbors, they couldn't sleep. Ma Hunt, Peter Hunt's mother, Oh, Peter, I can't sleep. Was, <laughs> and Peter would say, Boys, can't you keep the crowds down? <laughs> he, had a, he had a sort of a shaky voice, uh-huh. and he used to shake a little bit. He's a wonderful old guy. Yeah. And uh, and then across the street was Justin Avalar, who was a fisherman. He had the wharf, and he was sailing the Hindu at the time, and he had to get to sleep. Oh, he wasn't, didn't so have to So Mary would come then. to him, You boys are making too much noise. 
<laughs> so we finally they put in a petition, petitioned the selectmen to close us down. So, geez, we got this paper. So we went down, and in those days the selectmen met during the day, not at night. So I'll never forget, Bill White was on the board. He said, look, you boys, look, we're all Bill for White. Bill White, what did I Bill say? Bill White, I don't know what it was, it wasn't White. White. <laughs> Bill White, he said, look, boys, you know, we know you guys are veterans, and we're all, we're all veterans, we want to help you guys, I know you guys are hardworking guys, and you came here they to They wanted water. to close us down. Yeah, he said, they want to close you down, but look, why don't we do something? Why don't we have a curfew? That means that you could stay open, but you have to close at a certain hour. Eleven said, well, o'clock. That sounds fair. Well, what's the hour? He said eleven o'clock. That's when our business starts. Because <laughs> when the bars would go out, everybody would come to eat at our place. So I said, "Oh, so he said, I'm sorry, Sal, Cyril. That's the best I can do. The people are, you know, clamoring for us to close you down, but you don't want to do that. You guys are good boys. You're veterans. Blah blah blah. So, <laughs> so we went back to the, back to our place, and there we were." around this pot-bellied stove, drinking what was left of the coffee, you know, big thing like this of coffee. Jim Forsberg was our dishwasher. No! <laughs> Joe DiRocco, a wonderful poet. Who Professor DiRocco. And, huh? Professor DiRocco. Professor DiRocco <laughs> went to Columbia and taught. And we sat there commiserating, and up comes Bill Marsh, comes down the street. Hey, what's wrong? I said, well, they, I guess we're going to have to close at 11 o'clock. They won't let us. He said, well, look, why don't you guys expand the menu? Why don't you make some spaghetti and meatballs? <laughs> I look at Sue, and he looks at me, and he said, spaghetti and meatballs? Oh, I said, all right, I'm going to go down to A&P, which is in the middle of town. I'll bring back a couple of pounds of La Rosa spaghetti. <laughs> That's all you could get in those days. <laughs> so he comes back, and we put the pot on made a big handmade sign, put it outside. Tonight, spaghetti and meatballs, a dollar twenty-five cents <laughs> with salad <laughs> and coffee. Then, then we got creative. Then we got spaghetti with a meatball and a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> so this thing built up and built and it was always at Bill's instigation. Maybe he didn't like his wife's cooking. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> Next, about a week went by, we were really selling a lot of spaghetti and meatballs and sausage and pepper and uh, peppers and mushrooms. And he said, look, why don't you guys make a chicken cacciatore? Everybody loves chicken cacciatore. Back to the A&P, <laughs> get a few chicken. No, we bought the cheapest chicken, which was fowl. The fowl, yeah. <laughs> and we cooked it up. Boiled it up. Huh? And they loved it. They did, well... Well, they they had to love it. it I don't so know how, how much they loved it. Was it was so cheap. Don't you remember time. that first guy, that the, the first customer? Who was it? I don't know the guy, but I watched him, and he was sweating. He was <laughs> working so hard on chewing that chicken. <laughs> and I, we were both looking so at him from this little, uh, you know, where we served. And I said, boy, that kid's having trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember cooking that thing, and I cooked it all afternoon. And I said, God, almighty, it shouldn't take a chicken that long. And I kept putting a fork in it, and it practically bent the tines on the, on the <laughs> fork. And and this kid, I went up to him, and I said, how is it? He said, geez, good flavor. Good flavor. I said, yeah. He's a little tough. It's a little tough. I said, oh. <laughs> then I remember calling, I talked to my mother. Yeah. I told her about the experiment. And she said, oh, 
next time. And they used to call them spring chickens. Spring chickens, right. Spring chickens. And that's what that was, <laughs> we learned. Spring chickens. There's a difference. Well, you know, Price, Price was a, you know, was a big uh, decision maker, you know. Uh, yeah. You looked and you went and you shopped and you looked for... I don't think quality came into it, but <laughs> you look for the best price. Well, this was this was really a, actually what Sir and I started there unwittingly. We didn't know what we were doing. And Warren, don't you remember Warren? Oh, Warren. he died a few Warren, a year ago. Warren, no, um, he used to work uh, at the AMP, and he would save all the lettuce leaves for us. Oh, you mean my friend uh, 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 Mara? No, 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 no. His his wife's name is Madeline, and she was a school teacher. Oh, Warren uh, Pill Perry. Perry Warren, Warren Perry. Perry. Pill Perry. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, boy, yeah, boy, yeah. That was Warren Perry. He saved Warren, the lettuce and, for you. Yeah. What did you do with the lettuce? Make us. And he would soup? he would save all the lettuce leaves for us. Yeah. Because he was working there, and he was in charge <laughs> of the uh, of the vegetable counter, so he. To put the antipastas on. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, uh, we would watch them. You watch them. But sure. uh, we, you know, we had, we noticed a lot of the townspeople right away start coming down, especially the fishermen. They loved it. And, uh, and in one year, we were told by our friends who lived in New York that they were talking about this place in Provincetown that was down an alley in a basement. <laughs> That was the discovery of the year, and it was Sal, Sir and Sal's place. Uh -huh. And uh, you got to go there. It's an experience you'll always remember. <laughs> and, and I swear, to this day, Joyce, I have people that stop me in the street. Yeah. There was one woman, she's now a judge in Boston, she and her husband. And she told me that when she was a teenager, she used to come down, her father and mother took her down to Sir and Sal's, and she... Never forgot it. It was right. the great highlight of a teenage well, it had years. such atmosphere. Yeah. Well, it was amazing. It was amazing. And now, I remember once we were on the West Coast and at an airport, and some some guy comes up to me, he taps me on the shoulder, he said, excuse me, he said, uh, uh, but are you, by any chance, connected with uh, that restaurant in Provincetown? I said, Cyril's and Sal's? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, I, I'm Cyril. He said, I, I knew it was you. <laughs> I said, you mean you've been there? He said, I was taken there by my by my parents oh. when we when we summered on the Cape, yeah. and I've never forgotten. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And it's something that this, this you know these are true stories. Yeah, that yeah. it was just an amazing. It it was something that. I guess the the community needed, yeah, and of course it was a wonderful thing for the young artists and writers, right? Because yeah. the price was right, mm -hmm. cheap, and we were also we were in the same in the same category, right. so to speak. So we were very generous, sure, especially with the, with the young young people, yeah, and uh, people like Nappy. You know. <clears throat> Did you have an open at first, an open kitchen with a counter? Oh, or oh yeah, it was always open. Yeah, open. It was oh, always God, open. Yeah. You could yeah. Look, yeah, the kitchen was well half the size of this room. Right. <laughs> and, uh, 
it was always open. And, uh, so yeah, we, everybody that worked for us was not professional. Right. Even the waiters and waitresses were either students of medicine or students <laughs> yeah. of literature. Right. Or, Young painters, and, and they were good looking, and they were wonderful. They have, because we were all in the same. See, we're all in the same boat. Sure, we all wanted to do something, aspired mm-hmm. to something other than you know yeah. having a restaurant. Right. And one thing we did not want to do was overcharge. Right. Because right. <laughs> we felt that the other restaurants in town were outrageous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where maybe we were charging a buck and a quarter, a buck and a half. They were going a buck seventy five. Right. <laughs> So yeah. how long did you actually have the the restaurant the t- with the two of you? Because I know seven, it was seven years. Seven years. Seven. seven. And then and Sal then, went to back to painting. Yeah. Who went back to painting? Sal. Okay. And where? I thought, I you thought had, I, where'd you have the gallery? Oh, we had that year. The, then we started the Front Street Gallery right. with Dominic Falcone. Yeah. Who he and his wife, there's wonderful people. Did you see their? Did you see their? Um, what they have? Well, they gave a lecture last year. At the Falcone, Association. Dom, oh, Dar- just Dominic and uh, Yvonne Falcone. They're, uh, mm-hmm. She uh, she uh, did a lot of animation. She mm-hmm. was very One good of the at best. it. Mm-hmm. And they live in uh, Lexington, mm-hmm. and they they used to live here year round for a number. They started the famous Sun Gallery. The okay. Sun Gallery, yeah. okay. The greatest gallery probably in, in America right. at oh, one time. Incredible right. gallery. And these guys, this husband and wife, had two children. And they not only would pick up the paintings of the artists, they, they would create them and deliver them back at their own expense. Wow. Oh, they, they were, were wonderful. incredible people. Yeah. Wow. I, mean, I mean, guys like who hit it big, like Red Grooms, Alex Katz. Uh, they were all there. They were all, uh, Angelo. Angelo showed they there, too. They all showed. Tony Ve- all oh, showed Tony Vevers almost caused the, the uh, actually, Cheney Marshall at the time, who was a police chief, saw a, 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 a drawing of, of uh, Tony's uh, of, of a nude and felt that it was um, it was uh, bordered on porn, on um, uh-huh. uh, on pornography <laughs> okay and he attempted to close down the Sun Gallery <laughs> and at that time that's when Mailer and everyone oh, Hudson Walker Hudson Walker came to the uh, defense of the gallery uh-huh. and so they had to uh they had to back off. I think off. they put the shades on halfway. <laughs> they were monoprints. They were simple, innocent uh-huh. things. Just incredible. I mean, how they, considering today. I mean, how times have changed. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people who aren't artists don't realize that artists go to school and they they learn to draw from the model. Yeah, of course you right. do. It's yeah. not as though they're drawing nudes. They're no, draw, no, no. learning you, to you're, draw. You're drawing, a, with, you're drawing with, a living uh, thing, you know. That, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. uh, it's like with, with sculpting. I've got all these nude sculptures around my yeah. house, and sometimes people come in, their eyes sort of bulge out because they don't know these are exercises, and this is how you learn. Right. Yeah, right. and exactly. uh, it's another yeah. whole context. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, so getting back to the restaurant. Yeah, did you? Uh, uh, but the third year we were together, uh, somebody gave us a bunch of bass, and oh, uh, yeah. I was cutting them up. We were cutting them up in the back of the restaurant. You know, filleting them and mm. taking the taking the uh, scales scales off, and this this innocent looking man comes down the alley, sort of summery dressed for the summer, but nice, you know, not uh, not spiffy or anything like that. And he came up, and he says, uh, a young fellow uh, with an accent, French accent, he said, "What would you do with this fish?" 
I said, this fish, well, we will, we will. <laughs> we'll cook it uh, the way my mother and father, our mothers and fathers used to cook this way, and what will you do with it? Well, we'll, broil, we'll put it under the broiler, we'll put some oregano and olive oil and good uh, wine vinegar. And some basilico. And basilico, <laughs> and then a bay leaf under it, and, uh, and then we'll put it under the broiler. He said, will you do that for me tonight? I said, well, yeah, we'd love to do it. So he said, we will come at 6 o'clock. <laughs> he comes with his wife and little son. <laughs> he came that day. He came the next day. <laughs> he came the next day. He came for a solid week. A week. He came for a whole week. By that time, we knew who he was. We knew, we knew of him coming. So finally, one of us said, sir, but wh who are you? What are you? And then he introduced himself. And I know it. my mind is really going now because I can't remember. I knew it for a long time. He was he started he was the head chef on the Ile de France. Oh. And then he started a restaurant in New York that became the number one restaurant in New York City. Yeah. The top. <laughs> Lunch, hundred dollars. This is fifty years ago, mind you. Wow. Yeah. It was called uh La Green Green Wheel my French is terrible. It's something about a milkmaid. Okay. You know, green wheel or something like that. <laughs> and every day he'd have a bouquet of flour flown in from the islands uh, for his tables. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the works. But he ate in our restaurant every night. Wow. He said, you know why I like this cook cooking? Because it's, it reminds me of the way my mother used to cook. Uh -huh. It's not restaurant cooking. <laughs> it's home cooking. Uh -huh. But to top it off, I was going years later... I was going to Europe, and I was sailing on the um, on the Amsterdam, and on the on the uh, on the trip back, I was there for a few months. I was in Italy at the time, and and the Amsterdam was not was not stopping at uh, at that port, so I had to change to the, the United States line. And I get aboard, and I had at the time I had cabin class on the um, on the Amsterdam, and which was my own cabin. When I got aboard the uh, the United States line, I'm in with four people, <laughs> and I went up to the you know steward's mate, and I said, "Hey, this is not what I booked." And he said, "Well, this is what you've got." And I said, "I've got to talk to somebody about this." So. They call this down this gentleman who was evidently a big shot aboard. Came down, and he recognized me immediately. Oh, from the, me the story. That's wonderful. And from he the said, yeah. He said, he said, this is no problem. He said, we're moving Mr. Kotsi to first class. Oh my God! <laughs> and, and I said, I said I had one sport jacket that was threadbare and everything. I said, I have. I don't think you want me in first class. I said, just put me in cabin class. And, and he said, well, we don't have a cabin class, but I will give you a wonderful accommodations by yourself. He said, but you could eat in first class. How would that be? The food, he said, is very, very good. <laughs> and then he said, but first I want you to come to my office. I went to his office, and there was our menu. On oh, his oh really? Oh, that's beautiful. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was just 
I was <laughs> dumbstruck. Oh, and he, and he introduced me to everyone. <laughs> and he kept saying, he said, the most charming restaurant <laughs> in the he world. He said, yeah, huh? have to go there. <laughs> And I would be sitting in this first-class dining room with that only the only jacket I owned, and they would be in their tuxes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody would look at me and say, "Who is this guy?" Oh, that's great. And the food was wonderful. Yeah. You, know? you were going to Amsterdam, you said. Where, where were you going on? The I went Amsterdam? to Amsterdam the first on the trip over. Okay. And uh, then I intended to go into Italy from there oh, okay. but I loved Amsterdam right. and I stayed there for about two weeks uh-huh. it was just I walked every part of that city uh-huh. it was just incredible yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it was like a fairy tale yeah. right. I, you know it yeah. reminded me of a great deal of Venice when yeah, I got to Venice you they know? call it the yeah. Venice of the North right. but it was beautiful you know? and, uh, now yeah. Sal you eventually decided you weren't going to eat if you kept on painting after that and opened another restaurant right well, yeah oh, at the Muse no, that was the no. second, third no. year. Third year. Two years I rented from Sazowski before I bought the place. You had the gallery. We go through this. You I, had the gallery first. The gallery and the restaurant. No, and you had gallery. the gallery on Kylie Court. Right, right. You had the gallery on Kylie Court. You've right. forgotten? No, I didn't forget. <laughs> what happened was... And then Nicky Wells made you a proposition. No, not then. Not then. What happened he gets was... His, he gets it all mixed up every time. <laughs> I got a job that winter doing winter work. I, I had Stanley Kunitz had just bought a place in town, and I had we had worked we'd worked for Jack Twalkoff, so he knew me. And so I went up to talk to Stanley. He said, "I want you to do the job. I want you to re- renovate the whole house." Well, what a crew that was: Aldred Murray, Danny Banco, my brother-in-law, <laughs> George Murdoch, uh, Tony Vivas. <laughs> uh, you name it it was incredible we all worked on that place and uh, in the process I'd walk by this place down the west end and I saw it was for rent tiny little place in the west end yeah, on the water right so I said to Joe I said, Joe there's a little place down there you know all my fingernails have got black spots <laughs> on I'm not a copper nut you know <laughs> and we don't seem to be getting ahead I used to say to Sal you measure twice and cut once right. <laughs> please remember that <laughs> But anyway, so Josephine was dead against it. She said, no, you're out of the range. You're going to stay out. How are we going to live? How are we going to eat? The kids? So she finally capitulated. Uh-huh. But I think it was my mother-in-law who loved the idea that we had a restaurant. Okay. She loved, we used to treat her like a queen. Yeah. Because she very helpful uh, in so many ways. Yeah, Osmond Gallinger Todd, you're talking Osmond about. Osmond Gallinger Todd. Oh, wow, the best weaver around. It's unsinkable. <laughs> it is. But so she convinced her daughter that, yes, it was a good idea. So we rented the place from Sazowski for two summers. And then on the third summer, he was... Nicky Wells offered me the great muse mm-hmm. down in the middle of town. Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-mm. The decor was beautiful. No, yeah. Everything was lovely. Not but your style. It wasn't for me. No. So we parted friends at the end of the day. By that time, Mrs. Sazowski came to the house at Christmas with gifts for the children and said that she wanted me to buy the property. Oh, great. So she could get Johnny back to Truro because when he came here, the <laughs> husband, he never wanted to go back to Truro. <laughs> <laughs> so how many years did you have that one, that restaurant? The restaurant? Yeah. Uh, well, I finally bought it the, 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 uh, in 1964. What would you pay for it then? 
Uh, we paid a lot of money, $40,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the water, that is. I couldn't well, $40,000. I couldn't get a mortgage. I had you to, had a little, uh, yeah. there was also, wasn't even that little apartment there, too? Oh, yeah, the little cottages in yeah. the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had, the, had the cottages. Apartments had above and the home at last. I wish we could go on forever, and I think maybe we will someday, but believe it or not. Can you imagine what that would sell for? Well, you know, yeah, Jack's got it up for $8 million. Our half hour is over again, my guests on the Sands of Time have been Cyril Cosi and Sal Del Deo, and I wish we had could go on the rest of the night, and we'll get you back. <laughs> the Sands of Time is a program of oral history in which we interview our fascinating neighbors, our engineers, Diana Fabry. Your host has been Joyce Johnson. Thank you for being with us.